Hello, welcome to episode eight of Everyday Being. Uh, I can't quite believe that we've already got to episode eight, but we uh, we here here we are. Um, as we've said all the way through, uh, this is the last in the first uh, series of Everyday Being, um, and this episode is going to be a bit of a look back going to be some reflections that Steve and I have got from uh, the conversations that we've had so far. Um, we're also going to try and pull out some maybe some key themes or things that have sort of stood out for for us. Um, as I've already alluded to, uh, Steve is once again here. He's in the middle of a coffin fit. As I've just said, Steve is here. So, yeah. That was uh, good timing, Steve, that. Hello. Well done, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mate. You all right? Uh, um, do you know what, mate? I'm really, really good, actually. Yeah, re- really good this this week. How about you? How are you? Oh, good, actually. Yeah, it feels like Christmas is well and truly, well and truly gone and fully into the new year now. So, um, yeah. So, uh, it, it, it... any resolutions? Anything new? Are you going to do anything this year? Uh, What's the plan? Not, <clears throat> not particularly. I think. Um, I guess I have more of a sense of lots of things we've been talking about actually through the podcast you know as I was saying to you off air you know it's been really helpful actually planning these and doing things and um because it it brings it to to my consciousness more as well so I probably have noticed myself um just being slightly more mindful of certain things so uh yeah the process of this has been really helpful just from a very personal perspective as well uh, so yeah, yeah just really want to make sure that, I continue comment. to live into that. Good, good. Well, yeah. look, if if I or if the community can help you and hold you to counts on that, then uh, please <laughs> yes. please let us know. I'm sure, we, yeah. I'm sure we won't be shy. <laughs> um, so once again today, we are trying to bring to life the uh, understanding that we have about how we can just with a simple change in the way that we think, the way that we feel, we genuinely believe can create greater happiness and greater well-being, both from a physical and mental um, perspective. Um, and what, as we'll always try and do, is we're going to talk about some of the understanding, some of the methodology or thinking behind it, and then really try and ground it in everyday examples so that we can all see how this is around us and surrounding us and creating that experience day in, day out, and ultimately how the understanding can just make some simple but really powerful shifts and and ultimately lead to those positive things that we've we've talked about. Uh, so the format will be exactly the same as it has been in previous uh, weeks, uh, and we'll see where the conversation takes us. So as we said, this is a summary e- episode, looking back, getting some key themes. It's not a best of um, uh, session, so we're not going to bring in clips or things that you've heard before. So you don't have to moan and groan thinking, I've heard all this stuff before. They're repackaging. It's not the best of there at all. It's just pulling out some of those key themes that have come on out and that we just want to re- reiterate or look at from a different perspective and just see how that can continue to ground and build the understanding that that we have 
Um, as ever, if you've got any questions or any comments, we would absolutely love to hear from you. The email address is the same as ever. It is hello at everydaybeing.co.uk. And also follow us on Instagram where we're everyday.being. As you know, somebody else has got the everyday being one. So that's everyday.being. And send us a message or make us a comment on any of the posts there. And we would always be delighted to come back and get into conversations. So some of the key things that we're going to talk about today. So uh, one of the, the first things that we just wanted to, to, to say was what we've been trying to, to do through these eight episodes is, is really build this understanding about the way that some, some things work and, and the implications that it has for our lives day in, day out. And, and, and we know at times that what we're sharing can can be challenging. You know, we, we've deliberately tried to make it as, as simple and as accessible as we possibly can. But we do know at times that it, it isn't that and it can be a bit ab abstract. Um, equally, we are highly conscious of of we are not trying to do a tell and say, if you do these things, you will get these things in return. We, we've not. We've deliberately tried not to be as prescriptive of, of, of uh, as that. We hope that's that's come across. If if you think we haven't done that, please please feel free to tell us. But this isn't something that has ever been a do these seven tips and you will get happier lives or here's five ways to do those things. That's not what we're trying to do at all. And actually, if that's something that you you want and think we should do, we probably are not gonna we're not gonna do that we won't be the right place for for that um but we know that at times that can make it cha challenging we also know actually that we're not really encouraging you to actually do anything more actually what we're really saying is this is an undoing this is about doing less mm. um and at times that that is that's hard, I think, for us as as human beings, because so often we are encouraged, forced or brought up in a way that is do things because that creates better things. And actually, we're, we're not trying to do that at all. We are trying to say this is about doing less, um, but coming from a different perspective can have such that powerful Im impact. Um and in many ways, actually, one of the things we're thinking about is that the the doing uh, actually gets in the way of the natural order and system of things. Now, that will mean different things to different people about where what it, what does that natural system or natural order mean? Is that you know is that faith in whatever guys it is? Is it you know come from a science perspective? Is it about fate? What whatever it might be, it manifests itself in a different way. But actually, Steve and I absolutely think that there is a nature, there is a system, there is something, there is a higher, greater force at play. That at times the way that we act and we think and where we feel and where we're coming from can get in way of that that system. Um, so actually, you know what we're trying to, to do is to highlight that a little bit more that there there is that system and and whilst actually that at times can be something that uh creates greater uh 
sense or lack of control i think probably is the point i'm making is say that you know the extent to which that we are in control which is something that we've talked about on a couple of occasions actually in many ways you can say well actually if i'm not in control that 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 makes things harder one of the things we're saying is actually no no actually when we're not in control that becomes incredibly freeing um and it is almost through that freedom that uh, greater more positive things come steve any any thoughts at this early stage yeah, I mean, just to, <clears throat> I suppose, just build on what you've been saying, really. I think, um, you know, I think there are probably two key points to what we've been sharing, which is that um, it, it's really trying to describe what's behind our experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as we've done a few times with, the, you know, the, the ultimate test of that really is, your own experience you know the, the for the listeners is their own experience of that because in a sense what we're <clears throat> describing as what's behind our experience is sort of either true or not actually and um i guess our sense is if it 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 is true and it has certain then implications which maybe we can sort of come on to um but the ultimate test of it is whether actually it makes sense in your own experience because Certainly my experience of this is as <clears throat> as I can see it in my own life, that's when it has real traction. And certainly with yeah. individuals I've worked with, um, that's when it really makes a difference when people can start to sort of see the truth of it from their own experience. And then almost in a way, the implications of it partly sort of look after themselves, actually, because if you understand the way something works then naturally, of course, you do things in line with that. Um, yeah. You know, because we understand the principle of gravity, you know, we don't have to have a strategy for gravity. We naturally do things that are respectful of the fact that there's there's this thing called gravity. And if I'm, I don't know, if I'm on a, a tall building sometime and I'm going to the edge of it, then I'm naturally going to be cautious when I'm doing that because I know if I sort of step off the edge, there's going to be some consequences to that. So I think in a way, what we're describing is that if we understand what's behind our experience and we're saying actually experience works inside out, not outside in, mm. then there's the sort of implications for that. Um, so that I think is the sort of two key things that that we're sort of pointing to. Yeah. Did you have anything to add, Gareth? Was there anything that <clears throat> comes to mind for you off of that? Um, I, the thing perhaps I didn't say at the start was one other thing we are going to try and do in, in this episode is, is do a little bit about the direct impact on us. Um, we have hopefully through these various episodes given you uh some some in insight about us and who we are and, and what we do and how we've come to this understanding but we are conscious that it has been a little bit through the conversation rather than that the part of the conversation so what we what we will try and do in, in the latter part of this episode is is talk a little bit about that about that and, and to some extent what we're trying to do is for you to get to know us a bit better 
but hopefully that's about deepening your understanding as mm. as well so th- through us which hopefully will make sense once we get into into that part of the uh, part yeah. of the conversation um Steve, I think one of the things that we were going to revisit was episode, I think, three it is now, where we were talking about inside out versus outside in. Yeah, and I, I think I think this is quite challenging. I think I, <clears throat> when I find it quite challenging in a way, because to really what what just to reiterate what outside in inside out means is outside in means that. We live from a perspective that external circumstances are what creates my internal experience. So that would be sort of a the, the outside in perspective. <clears throat> Inside out is saying, no, actually, I recognize that depending on the thinking that I have and the perceptions that I have and the state of mind that gets created from that, that fundamentally um is what creates my experience of those external circumstances that that's what's sort of inside out is <clears throat> and i suppose you know you can see people that live outside in so people that do think oh no, it's all about circumstance all about what happens out there you you will really struggle with life you know going back to yeah. what you said about control because of course the reality is we don't control what happens. We don't control other people and we don't control um, what our circumstances are really. And so if someone lives completely outside in, one of the consequences of that is often they really struggle with life, feel quite stressed. And I suppose at your worst, you feel a victim all the time because you're being, feel like you're being sort of buffeted by all these things going on out there that you've got sort of no control over. I suppose what we're saying is actually when you really examine it, then actually life works inside out. But I suppose also that most people would recognise that there are sometimes situations where I know it's me. You know, if I've got a problem with a particular person, I might sort of think, yeah, I sort of know I've got lots of thinking about this person. And there's lots of historical things that play into that. So I know when I'm engaging with them I'm not being neutral so I think everyone would have situations where they could say yeah I can see that's inside out I can see that's really mm. about me and that's how it plays out but most of us live in a mixed paradigm and I think we probably include ourselves in that where yeah we, we can would. see that definitely times when it we can definitely see inside out you know but there's lots of times when things happen to us situations um where it looks like circumstances or what someone did or didn't do or or said or whatever that seems to affect our mood, seems to affect our internal state. And I suppose what mm. we're saying is that's not that's not strictly true. Mm. Um, so I think we're not trying to suggest that we always every moment of every day can see that we're we're being in we're inside out. The, because we know that is actually the truth, we it means that when we feel like we're being affected by circumstances, one, we might catch it. So we might catch ourselves and notice our thinking, notice what's happening in our state of mind. Our feelings are often a really good barometer of that. If we're 
feeling some negative feelings that's often saying yeah okay so something in my thinking is being is that's what my feelings are reflected so I can be cautious of how I'm using my thinking in relation to that situation so an opportunity to to sort of not get caught by that <clears throat> and that can be helpful but you know let's be honest a lot of time we do get caught by it we we get drawn into it yeah and the fact we know um this is something that's going on inside of us means that we can perhaps catch catch that so when we do get the inevitable dip you know we might find ourselves in a lower mood a lower state of mind be it looks like we're being affected by something we can just notice it more quickly so certainly you know uh, in terms of my own experience i noticed that those those dips in my state of mind you know i mentioned on an earlier podcast when i had that period of depression you know, which was a nine month dip in a sense. I mean, like I yeah. mentioned there, it wasn't always in that deep state, but that's what it felt like. <clears throat> whereas whereas nowadays I can notice, yeah, do I get affected by things? Do I find myself in a low mood? Yeah, I do. But it doesn't happen so much. So that's one of the implications of this understanding. But also when I do find myself in a lower state, because I can notice it i'm much more attuned to it much more mindful of it i sort of know in that state look steve be careful <clears throat> of your thinking be help, careful of how you're engaging in this situation if you are in a situation where you do need to take action then just keep it simple to so just do what you need to do don't overthink it don't get overly drawn into it um if there is an opportunity not to get engaged in it Maybe that's a time just to back away. So maybe to look after yourself and sort of back away. And when you disconnect from your thinking, what we're saying is that um, our state of mind will actually change very quickly. Mm. So I think that's the sort of three principles understanding the Sydney Banks understanding we've mentioned a few times, which was yep. the thing that really shifted me all that time ago. That was um, the Sydney Banks wrote a book called One Thought Changes Everything. And because his view was, which I think is true, one thought can change everything. And I think if you think of it, sometimes when you get an insight, it's one thought. You get one thought, it's an insight. Oh, my God, I know what I need to do in that situation. And that can literally, in that second, shift your state of mind because it's the thinking that creates the state. And if your thinking shifts, then your state of mind shifts with it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can always just have one thought and it changes everything. <laughs> so I think yeah, the other yeah, thing yeah, yeah. he was saying is, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen and it happens at, at, at your own will, in a sense. <laughs> but I guess what we're saying is the possibility for it to change quickly then means that it will change of its own accord. The only thing you can do really is i think anyway from my perspective is set the conditions for it and the way you set the conditions for it is tuning into your feelings which are a really accurate barometer of your thinking and if you disengage from your thinking that will set the conditions for your state of mind to shift but it won't necessarily shift <clears throat> when you want it to shift but it will always shift you know, 
I think that story, this too will pass, yeah. is true. You cannot yeah. stay in one state. So, you know, I can certainly see sometimes when I've been, I was really bothered by something a while ago about some uh, feedback to do with a program. And I sort of took some of it quite personally. And and I knew I was doing it. And, and I knew that is going to disrupt your sleep. I knew it was going to disrupt my sleep because I thought you're just going to have this on your mind. <laughs> but I, but I also knew, but don't, you don't need to think about it. There is nothing from that lower state that it created. There is nothing of value you're going to find, but it, but it, I knew it would just keep popping up, which it did, mm. but it was really helpful because it did disrupt my sleep a little bit, if I'm honest, but then in the morning it was less intense so already even just in the morning which was you know i don't know 12 18 hours later or whatever <laughs> i could notice that it didn't have so much heat in it because i knew that whenever you've got a strong emotion and the thinking that goes with it it there's a natural mechanism that just does take the heat out of it because if you think of it if we didn't have that every sort of traumatic experience that we might have had or every sort of traumatic state of mind, and let's face it, you know, I'm 54. I've had lots of them over the years. If if I was affected by them all in the same way now that I was then, I mean, you could see, you just could not function. I mean, you just, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't be alive. So in a way, there's a natural mechanism that does take the heat out, that does offer a different perspective. And that, in a way, is what does enable us to get through trauma. That's what does mean that our our mental health <clears throat> is where we are, not not who we are. Mm. And so, in a way, this understanding doesn't necessarily solve everything straight away, but because we've got that grounded understanding of it, it does mean that we sort of know we have. I think I certainly have more faith in the fact that I know it will know it will shift and often it doesn't shift when I want or as quickly as I want but I sort yeah. of know I, I sort of know that it will and I think that's a really helpful way because I I see so many people trying to manage that trying to manage their experience manage their emotions and all of that <clears throat> not realizing that you know when you engage in a low state of mind you you just keep yourself stuck you're sort of pouring fuel on the fire and that's why this is a reductive understanding it's how do you back away from your thinking then as your mind slows down quiets down that's what sets the conditions for your state of mind to shift i'm sure isn't there some research that was done about american prisoners of war so you know japanese prisoners of, of war so at the end of or would that be the second world war wouldn't it that they found those people that could you know survive survive those sort of grueling and awful experiences that they had and and those that they didn't that they found that that the, the the thing that really made the difference was <laughs> those that those that survived and best coped had a certain had a belief that they would be freed that it, it it would end but didn't put a fixed point on it 
Right. But those that sort of struggled and didn't su- survive had a, I'll be out by Christmas or I'll mm. be out by this time or we'll do this. And that will mean that we we are, are out. And, and that's where the sort of struggle almost came from was that when we put sort of a fixed term um, nature to it, say this needs to happen by then, or actually just, I think that they were more in control than, than they were, yeah. you know, and there is that something different where you can go that I can have that fundamental belief in this too shall pass, <laughs> yes. but know that actually life will make it enable it to happen when it needs to happen so it doesn't mean that you don't believe in it actually you can have actually a profound certainty in that but then also a lightness as we've talked about on a couple of occasions about how and when that happens yeah i i think that's true i mean that they there was something called the stockdale paradox which was um admiral stockdale who was the most senior um uh prisoner in the vietnam war right so he, he was a american shot down um quite early in the war actually so he he was prisoner for many years yeah and uh then he he the all uh, his fellow prisoners were really positive about him the impact he'd had um on them and how uh, how much he'd helped them get through it and he'd not been treated particularly well. He'd been tortured and all sorts of things. He had some very nasty things happen to him. But they they interviewed him and said, <clears throat> you know, who were the people that that um, wouldn't survive? And he said, the optimists. And of course, the interviewer is really shocked. It's like, well, surely optimism is a really good trait, you know. So they were really, what what do you mean? He said, well, there was there were some people that did exactly what you just said, Gareth, which was they would set a date when they thought the war would end or when they'd be released. And, you know, he said there was one person who thought they'd be out by Christmas and literally died the next day. And so he said, you had to, if you're facing something that's really grueling and difficult, one of the things he said to himself, I think, as he was in, in his parachute dropping out of the sky from his plane being shot down, was, you know, a a recognition and realization okay this is what i'm going into now and uh, being able to deal with it in from a um from a reality perspective but stay in a positive place about that so i think that's the the other thing that really comes to mind which actually is a good example is one of my mentors is someone called dr george pransky who's one of the most well-known psychologist he was the first psychologist actually that came across Sydney Banks were and worked from the three principles perspective so he was literally in the in the 1970s was the sort of first person that came across Sid and uh, and there's a whole story about that but anyway eventually he really embraced that and has built a very successful business off the back of it but a few years ago he had a stroke and um he said what was interesting he said you know he had his moment of I think one afternoon of feeling quite down and and so on and you know the what's the consequences of all this and, and sort of so on but sort of came out of that you know through understanding this and he said one of the things he really noticed is he said I was hopeful he said I was definitely in a hopeful state and he said but what I noticed was that other people 
were hopeful that they would achieve something. They had an expectation. I'll get back to this. I'll be able to do that. He said, whereas I didn't have that. I was just hopeful. And, um, you know, and he's bit, he's sort of shared this in some of the, the talks he's given. And that um, one thing that really struck me was he was saying, you know, in his recovery, the doctors are really amazed at his recovery. And um, and he thinks that that's partly that he never became despondent because he didn't have an expectation. He was just hopeful. He was in a hopeful place, which is very positive. But he didn't have, he wasn't invested in achieving yeah, something. And he yeah. could see that with others, <clears throat> other people that he was interacting with, they would get invested in it you know achieving a certain thing and then of course if perhaps things didn't happen in that way you didn't make the progress you thought you then became despondent and of course if you're going to become despondent it's sort of going to affect your body it's bound to isn't it it's bound to affect your body and your healing and and sort of all the rest of it so i think it's a it's a fine line really between um being positive and uh, but but that not being fixed. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, your point about control is really interesting because I was talking to someone this week and she had lots of things about control. And it's like, well, what do you really control? And, you know, we, we went through various things. I said, well, I don't think you, you don't control, you know, you don't control, or you don't control, you know, we explore these things and you get to a point of thinking, well, what the only thing you really control is your engagement. Yeah, you don't control your thoughts. You don't control your feelings. I was talking to some, someone yesterday and um, said, "You know, think about you and your husband." I said, "You don't control the relationship. You don't control whether you stay together. He, he doesn't either." So if you think your most one of the most important things to you, you know, your intimate relationship, <laughs> you don't control that. Yeah. It's a scary thing. You don't control your thoughts. You don't control your feelings. You don't control your emotions. So you could say that, that what things most personal to you, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, because that's what creates your experience. You're one of the most important relationships. If you have an intimate relationship or you could even tell that to friendships, you think, well, you don't, con you don't control, you don't control that. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes maybe what COVID, you know, perhaps has helped us to see more clearly is there are many things in life that we don't control and therefore you know why something like this understanding I think can be really helpful is because if we're saying well the only thing we can really control is the way we engage and understanding our experience and what's behind our experience means that we can relate to that experience we can engage in that experience from a different perspective it's really saying that you know the only way we can experience this is Sid's point the only way we can really experience anything is through mind it's something that's happening in our mind that that the currency of the mind is our thinking and that's brought to life by our consciousness and so it's not saying there isn't a world out there but it's saying but we're not seeing we are seeing that world through a very limited perspective to do with our five senses. Yeah. So, you know, we can only um, experience it through that. 
and we're experiencing it through our level of understanding and the thinking that we have in relationship to it. So people can often say, so you're saying it's all made up or it's like a, um, you know, it's a sort of, um, you know, some spiritual traditions say we live in a dream, you know, in a way we're saying mm, we, we live yeah. in this sort of dream. And it's saying, well, yeah, in a way that is saying that. It's saying that you live from an impoverished perspective because it's very limited in terms of the apparatus that we've got to experience that world. But then it's also saying, but that is real. It's like, um, you know, a mirage in the desert. It's saying, well, that is real from the perspective of the person that's seeing the mirage. It's real. But what we're saying is, it's helpful to see the true nature of the mirage. It's helpful to see the true nature of our experience. So to see that, yes, it's real, it's a very tangible experience that we're having of something, but we're saying, but understand the true nature of it. Because if you understand the true nature of a mirage, well, you recognize it's light. There's something about the light and the energy that's created from that, that creates the mirage. So it's helpful to see the mirage is not the true reality. The true reality is the light. And we're saying the true reality of our experience is what's going on in our mind and the thinking that we have and the state of mind that that creates. And that's why the same circumstances can affect us very differently from one day to the next. Or you and I both work in business and we know just through experience that you can be in a meeting with a number of people and it's quite palpable sometimes is the fact that some of the people in this meeting are experiencing the same circumstances but having a radically different experience oh god yeah you know you can see the person that's really engaged really interested really positive uh you know seeing all the possibilities and you can see someone else completely disengaged frustrated pissed off angry whatever <laughs> who's not you know clearly not in that state and mm -hmm. what we're saying is neither's right or wrong they're just different experiences yeah and so it's helpful for the for the for us as individuals to understand that yeah and i think that that brings us back almost to episode five when we were talking about the nature of mind and we were talking about cinema weren't we and about sort of seeing seeing movies and what's the mm. screen and what's coming from that and actually that that is a sort of a powerful you know i don't know analogy of what what we're talking about in terms of the experience that we're having yeah. um i was gonna bring you back with something that you, you said a moment ago was um the extent to which we get invested in outcomes. Um, I think what we absolutely should do in series two, Steve, is talk about investment and involvement, because I think that's sort of a, a lovely um, um, bit, of, bit of thinking that I think can, can help people, which, which at a high level is really saying the extent to which we have uh, got an ability to get involved with something that's go going on um, and our ability to truly influence and control the outcome. 
Um, and I, I always think the best example that we've talked about previously, Steve, in, in that model is is the sporting fan uh, or the fan of, uh, fan of something where people get incredibly invested in what the outcome is. So my, you know, my mood will be dependent on whether the team wins and that player scores or, or that happens and they lose or whatever it might be. And actually, as as fans, on whatever level you are, if you know, if if this is a sporting thing at sort of big stadium levels or 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 something um, in your in your local park, seeing people playing whatever it might be, we have absolutely limited to no control at all about that that outcome. Mm. And you know, our moods for many, many people in many different sort of sporting or, or, or pastimes will just be so influenced by by the, whatever happens in, in that that event. Um, a, a, friend, a friend of mine has got a bizarre number of superstitions when he watches his, his sporting team. I think he's even got a ritual where he turns the cap, or he wears a cap, always wears the same cap when he's watching the team. <laughs> And he turns it around and and says that by turning this around, uh, the the team will score. Um, and and when you see that in isolation, you go, "What? Well, I mean, what a just a ridiculous sort of piece of piece of thinking." But yeah. we've all got all kinds of superstitions um, about things like like that. But I always just think that's just a great great example of things that we are so highly invested in but i've got absolutely no control over and it's just a great example of of outside in living that my happiness or my well-being or my mood will be dependent by something i've got no control over whatsoever yeah absolutely and that was a model of from george pransky actually is I it right okay just a fantastic uh, uh just as you were telling that story i was <clears throat> listening to Rupert Spira, who's um, a very good sort of teacher around a lot of this stuff to do with sort of being and uh, and so on. And he was saying he, when he took his son uh, to his first football match, <clears throat> he he said to his son, he said, oh, um, who do you want to win? And he said, oh, the, the, the team that scores the most goals. <laughs> and because in his mind, it's like, well, football, the team that wins is the one that scores the most goals. So that yeah. that's who wins. And he said it was so lovely because it was just such an innocent perspective on it from no investment, you know. And it, obviously, as he got older, oh, sorry, just sneeze then. Um, as he got older, you know, you then start to support a team and your investment sort of kicks in. But you can sort of say, I don't know, we've used children a lot as an example, but you can see at that very young age, there's a just, they're fully on the involvement part. Yeah. And they're just involved. and But they're involved and still want to achieve things. That That's the, that that's the bit that sometimes, you know, I use that model a lot with people in coaching and they can feel like, oh my God, you're saying I shouldn't try and achieve things and, you know, I shouldn't care and, and all the rest of it. And it's saying, no, no, it's, it's not saying you can't have things that you're looking to achieve. Actually, if you really care, then you want to be fully involved. That's the best way you show yeah, you yeah, care for yeah. someone is be fully involved with them. Yeah. Um, it's just saying in the moment, 
of your life holding on to the outcome holding on to the expectation doesn't doesn't mean that you're going to achieve that the the best way of achieving something in your life is to be fully involved fully engaged in it um, yeah. so it doesn't mean you can't have those goals but it's saying you know in the moment of performance you don't focus on that that's why lots lot of sports people say focus on the process you know like yeah, yeah yeah focus on the process yeah. don't focus on the outcome that's that's a description of you know that getting that right really yeah yeah we were going to move on steve to talk on about the importance or the benefits or to some extent actually sort of the the, the growth that comes from knowing ourselves a bit better and just having a I don't know, a greater understanding of how some of these things are playing out for us. So we've talked about you and I, or we talked about other people, but one of the things we wanted to encourage you as the the listener in this conversation and the audience was we've, we've talked about on a number of occasions of just, just notice and just see what that is. Um, so that's one of the things we again wanted to encourage in this in this summary episode was that nature of be be curious about you and what your thinking are and your relationship to some of these things that we've talked about. Um, Steve, I wondered what what for you has been either something that's been really powerful as you've seen your own thinking or something that sort of just stands out that can again just sort of land the importance of of that awareness um i mean i suppose i think where the most helpful thing for me, in a way, I think has been, I mentioned that the, the sort of that episode of depression all those years ago, um, and it, it massively helpful through that. I think a big insight for me more, more recently would be that relationship between being and doing. And, um, <clears throat> and there was a really, um, there was a really great book uh, written called the ultimate coach which was about a particular person called steve hardison yes. um, about his life and um he's been a coach for a very long time very successful and um yeah he's worked with many individuals and so it was a lot of research someone had done to do with him and his family and his clients and so on but one of the things that uh, it, that he does in his coaching is really help people think about who they're being yeah and I think one of the things there's many aspects of that I think are really powerful and, and I certainly use a lot of that in my work but I think one of the things that really stood out for me is that sometimes thinking about who you're being is like a difficult question you know you think oh god who, who am I being you know because I think that's why we get drawn so much into the doing human doings rather than human beings because it's quite a difficult question to answer yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that really comes through um, in his work is, well, what we're doing is reflective of who we're being. So if you want to look at who you're being, just look at what you're doing. And so you can look at what you're doing and see, well, what's that telling me about who I'm being? 
because I think sometimes the mistake we make is we focus on what we're doing or we don't like that and then we think I need to change my doing and it's like well maybe you don't I was having this conversation with someone the other day through some 360 feedback she'd received and what was interesting is this feedback provides um, it's lots of different people that complete it so it provides information on what your overall scores are it's all to do with emotional intelligence but it also lets you see how different people have scored you so you can see this like a scatter graph in a sense <clears throat> and what was really interesting was that she had some areas that were really scattered um and uh, you know as we were exploring that it was saying well what that suggests is that different people are having a different experience of you on the same um, uh, quality, same sort of competency. <clears throat> and I said, what's interesting in that then is that if if some people are seeing you do things that represent a, sort of a positive experience in that area, that would suggest to you that you've got the doing. And she hadn't really thought about that. Because I think quite often people go, well, I need to change how I'm, what I'm doing there. <clears throat> Whereas what we were then having a conversation about, well, is what might be more interesting is to say, how are you being when you're being who you want to be, <laughs> when you are having the impact you want? And who are you being where you're not, where certain people are not experiencing you in such a positive light? And so it's interesting to think, what is it in your being, your thinking, your beliefs, your expectations that might be different and getting in the way that might be limiting you in some way? And it was really interesting that we could then have a conversation about that and she could start to see, ah, right, okay. And she could start to see some of the things, the thinking and expectations and judgments and values about certain people and so on that were were getting in the way mm. and so that for me has, has been really helpful to just see that relationship much more clearly and you know for me personally to get more interested in well how am I being yeah how am I being in certain situations am I being who I want to be am I creating the experience I want to sort of create and <clears throat> the 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 other thing I like about that is that it, it it's very respectful of the fact that who you're being is not fixed it's ongoing so that you're literally recreating it moment to moment every day you're creating your being because it's create you're creating it through how you show up yeah and of course so many if you think of it in a way Gareth isn't it so many of the important things in our life they, they're constantly changing and ebbing and flowing, you know, mm. being a husband or being a wife or being a mother or being a father or being a friend or being a leader, being a manager. It's very hard sometimes to say, well, what, what does being good mean in those roles? Because it sort of constantly changes a bit because you change you know, the people around you change, the circumstances change, like we've seen with COVID, you know, things can yeah, radically yeah, change yeah, as yeah. well as just those day-to-day -day changes. So in some ways, 
you know, you can't say what good looks like because be what good looks like today might be different tomorrow and different to next week. So I like the being, thinking about how you're being and how you're showing up, what your awareness is, because then you can you can keep correcting. You know, you might show up to something and think, oh, that was terrible what I did there or how I reacted or um, what my intention was going into that. And it's it's really useful to notice and go, okay, how can I, how can I self, how, what do I need to change in my being to correct that, to turn up differently sort of next time? So that, that for me has been <clears throat> the real key recent sort of insight. I think both you? of us would um, advocate Steve Hardison's work and, and, and his, his book, although I think he's written by others, isn't it? Um, um and one of one of the one of the fabulous things that he encourages his clients to to do uh and i know steve and i have have, have had a go at this and have found it incredibly useful is to create what steve hardison calls is a, is a, a document and it's a a set of phrases or sentences that i think deepen the understanding of who who we we are and can really be a an anchor from where we're coming from. Uh, Hardison describes it as a powerful way of being uh, the highest, noblest essence of who you are. And this is the bit I sort of love the most where it, this, this document or these this, this set of phrases should be, they are you at your inner core, the you without baggage, the you without wounds, damage or fear. They are you without the need to impress or struggle to be good enough, um, which, you know, I, I just think is a, a lovely, lovely phrase. Um, some some of the things that I've got in 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 mind, just to sort of share, share them with, with you, just in, in no particular order, I think I've got about 15 different sort of uh, statements um, is uh, one is uh, I talk about um, so I am contrasting uh, I have extroversion and introversion I am tough I am supportive I am attentive and distance and I help people understand this about me so wh wh why that's important is although all those things I fundamentally believe are, are me and who I am at my my inner core but what I find is that sometimes that people can um, find it a bit disconcerting that they see one version of me and then they see this other version of me. And of course, this is all me, but it's just sort of parts of me. But people get sort of, you know, I don't know, becomes uncomfortable for them where I can be, you know, an incredibly loving, caring, supportive individual. And then I can be really direct and matter of fact and ch and challenging and uncomfortable as well. And 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 that either with, with whichever way round it comes. But the, the, when the next one comes, it's like, whoa, where the hell did that come from? And, yeah. and it, what I've experienced as well is that that can lead to a real lack of trust because people don't know who is the real version of me because they see these real contrast in extreme versions. Um, and so actually what, what I found powerful from from by, by doing that is that I am better at telling people this is me and this is who to to expect and I can be both those things and they still are still are me now it doesn't to some extent mean that it is any less um 
distracting, throwing, uncomfortable questioning when when it happens. But but actually, people can understand it more that that actually that both these things are coming from a really good place and they're coming from an authentic version of me. So actually, the impact that it ultimately has, where people have got that understanding of who I am, actually, it has a I think a deeper impact as well, or certainly doesn't have a negative inf- impact because they they know that that's me so uh that that's a, a decent example um uh one of one of the other examples that i sort of talk about is um i'm prepared and present to allow wisdom to come to me which sounds a bit grand quite frankly um but actually it is i do have trust in the moment or just trust in general as we talked about in in uh, different uh, different ways that that the right thing will come to me at the minute and it you know and if it doesn't it doesn't and if it doesn't land with other people okay i'm all right with that but but that's what i truly meant or or thought was right as long as i am coming again where i'm coming from and who i'm being actually coming from a place where i have got that quieter mind um i've also on the document written about my relationship with uh, my daughters and my relationship with katie my wife and 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 those two things have been in really important for me since i've i've written this document because uh, they again come back to the anchor of i can in the moment question myself about okay well i might be thinking this at the moment you know maybe I don't know. Maybe they've they've uh, they're not doing what I think they should be doing, or they're not saying what I think they should be doing, or whatever. You know, we've talked a lot about expectations, um, but I, but I, I know what you know when I'm coming from a good level of awareness that actually those things are about my expectations and they are my thinking creating my view of the world and my experience it isn't it isn't about them so i'm not going to put those things on them because actually they're coming from from me and then secondly and i think most importantly i can ask myself that question about okay am, am i coming from that place of love and beauty and inspiration and talent that I have for them and that I believe that they are am I coming from that place and actually if I'm coming if I'm thinking they're not doing those things or that's not good enough or whatever you know they've done this to me actually I know I'm not coming from a place of love and care and beauty and adoration that I know I am I I am so again those things have helped be something that can help me on a really pragmatic basis day in day out yeah and i think just to sort of add to that i think because you're right and i've done my document i it's i've I've recorded it so i listen to it every day actually when i go do you really every day yeah when i take the dog for a walk wow i have certain things i sort of listen to that are more about me personally and um that that's one of the things I just the first thing I do when I step out the door that's what I listen to so that document stays sort of current and and front of mind wow um I think that and then just to add to that as well is that I think it's important to recognize that just coming up with your document 
uh, doesn't work on its own. No. So, as you know, Gareth, you know, it takes a bit of work to develop it, to really get in tune with yourself and who you're being, like your essence and what's important to you. Um, I think also my experience when I've worked with people in developing that and developing that for them, it, it also, through the process of it, it starts to sort of highlight when you're not being your the way you want to be, it's sometimes then getting curious and inquiring into like that 360 conversation. Well, what, what is it that's stopping you? So what is it that in your thinking that's stopping you, which tends to be things like some expectations you've got or some judgments that you've got, some values that you've got, some beliefs that you've got that you're not conscious of, you know, because I think we've we've alluded a few times to this sort of this sense of a book of law, that certain things you've picked up along the way, we've all picked up through life. The Toltecs call it domestication, which I really like. They say you're, we're all domesticated because right. there's certain things through our experience that we pick up. <clears throat> like, um, you know, like I remember my, my nan, bless her, I... Um, I had two great nans, actually. <laughs> number one, where she was about finishing all your food. So you should, finish, you should clear your yeah. plate. So whether you were full or not, you should, feel you, you should finish your plate because there are people in the world that are starving and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's all sorts of things. And that if you, you might fight that, which I did, you know, well, I don't want to finish it. And so, but, you know, Often it gets reinforced. You don't want to let you don't want to let Granny down, and so on. And you therefore do finish it. And then my kids were reminding me the other day of a time when my youngest daughter Grace, <clears throat> who I made finish her Sunday lunch, right. and the the ordeal was always that the kids would then clear up. We, my wife and I, Val and I, would cook, and then I've got three children: Will, Great, uh, uh, Vicky, Will, and Grace. They would then tidy up and uh, Grace hadn't finished. My youngest daughter, Grace, hadn't finished. I think it was sprouts or something. And I said, well, you've got to sit there until you finish it. Now, in a way, and this is the bit the Toltecs are saying, is that, that you're domesticated by someone else. And then human beings are the only species that self-domesticate. That then we take that on as a belief, a value or whatever, and we we reinforce it on ourselves. And if you think of it, why our internal dialogue is often so critical is because of the domestication. Oh, why did I do that? That's not who I want to be. Or what? why do I always get caught in that situation? Or um, we force ourselves to do things. You can see if someone's really domesticated around food, perhaps they then overeat because that's yeah. something, that, you know, so you can see subtly how we we sort of self we self domesticate and of course you know me I was thinking oh my god I I then tried to domesticate my daughter <laughs> with the same thing <laughs> that had happened to me and like years later I found out that actually she didn't finish the sprouts Will and Vicky at them for her <laughs> so that they could get they could tidy up and get out of the kitchen <laughs> so they even found 
found a way around that. But you can, but the point is, you can see how we get domesticated in a certain way through the values, beliefs of our parents or uh, our education or whatever. And we then self-domesticate. We take that on board. That becomes our book of law that we were given, that we just continue to work on. And then we self-domesticate ourselves around that. So I find that when you're doing the work with people around their document, what you're often then also pulling out is what's also stopping you, what's getting in the way, what beliefs or values or expectations have you got? And most of them are completely unconscious that might be stopping you, might be holding you back. And in a way, that's the really interesting work, I think, often. It's that bringing, mm, those, bringing those to the surface and exploring them. And then through that process, you're developing a document that feels true and authentic. And and I think you you make a really good point, Gareth, because I think some of people think, you know, oh, you're always you're always happy, you're always positive, you always get on with every you you know, people love every aspect of what you do. And it's like, no, your your document is for you. Your document is nothing to do with anyone else, really. No. because it's a representation of who you want to be and i think sometimes then you're not trying to please people you're not trying to please everyone because you recognize that one that's not really possible and two really in a way it's a form of manipulation because you're trying to say i want people to think a certain way about me yeah, right. It's like, interesting. I've not thought about that. Yeah, and it's like, you know, sod off. Let them think what they want to think. And if they like what you do, great. And if they don't, that's great as well. And if if it's something that's it's a relationship that's important to you, you can explore that. Look, is there something I'm doing that I could, you know, where I, is there something I can change in the way I work with you that might help us to be more effective with each other? You can do that as a very honest conversation, but that's much better than trying to please someone because i i come across lots of people that are trying to please everyone and they bless them they just exhaust themselves mm. particularly if you're in a in a life that has lots of aspects to it or if you're in a role like you are with with many different aspects to it you know you're never going to please all the people all the time I and mean, it's just completely completely impossible well, I do, I do think as well, even like trying to, <laughs> you're pleasing one other person. Actually, you know, even that is a, that's an expectation, isn't it? That you come back to all the things we're talking about. So you've got no control over that. If you, even if you're coming from a great place, even if you're doing some things that have always, always worked, doesn't mean you're going to do that. And I, and I, actually, the, the more I think about it, the more I think actually just if you, the, 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 the desire to have that outcome actually just in their lives madness yes that, i, I <clears throat> that's complete i think that's complete I, I i sort of see that more in my with my wife really at that real sense of as our needs of each other i think i've mentioned this before but as our needs of each other yeah. have dropped away then you know i do i do things um because of who i want to be in relation to her and and then, you know, do my best then not to have an expectation of how she should be. It's like she's free. Because if you think of it, <clears throat> unconditional love 
is the purest form of love. And of course, because yeah, it's unconditional, yeah. yes. it's unconditional. And as soon as you add conditions to it, then it 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 that it can still be love, but it's different, it has a different feel to it. I guess we often maybe experience unconditional love much more clearly with our children. I think often there's mm. something that <clears throat> but I think in in relationships you can you can even play that out if, if your relationship with someone is unconditional you're being who you want to be then there's a freedom in that and if there are problems or difficulties in your relationship for example you know if I've worked with someone where you know where we're not connecting for some reason <clears throat> if I have expectations of them the risk is I I, if I communicate that, this is where sometimes the advice about, well, tell them how you feel when they do something, how it makes you feel. And it's like, I've had so many people say that. And I said, oh, how does that work when you've got a difficult relationship with someone that where the goodwill is not there? How does that work? Yeah, uh, well, we got into a bit of an argument. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, of course you did, because you're blaming your state on them, which is, as we're saying through this, is is just not true. Yeah. Plus, if you've got no goodwill, of course they're going to react to that because your intention is to put the blame on them. And it's like, if you've got lots of goodwill, you might get away with it, but it's still not true. I think you you know, my my experience has been if I've got a problem with someone, it's much better to say to them, look, I notice that we're not something's missing in the way that we work I can see that sometimes some of the things I do cause you some frustration I can notice that and you know I, 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 I'd like us to be able to work more effectively mm. are there some things I can do in the way I'm working that would would enable that because then you're taking all the responsibility to yourself you, you can you can't do it you've got to do it genuinely so you can't yes. you can't do it pretending you have to be very open to look I want to change this hard is there something I can do and my experience when I've done that is that people are very often very open and also they tend to reciprocate yeah. so they tend to say look and I can see there's some things I do that don't work as well and then you can have a completely different you can have a completely different conversation I've even I've even had it where people have going back to the 360 where actually the same instrument I was using this week, but where people have asked someone that they have got a difficult relationship with for some feedback as part of their leadership development. Yeah. And this has happened more than once. People said afterwards when we talked it all through, they, they would say, yeah, do you know my relationship with them has been getting better? And it's like, well, what have you done? Well, nothing really. The only thing that's happened is when I, I I reached out to them and said I'd really value their feedback. Yeah, and it, I I sure it's because you've been willing to put yourself out there and say, look, I'd like to understand what what you what your experience of me is, and you get a lot of credit for that, and then you can feel like that starts to shift the sort of shift the relationship. Steve, I think we better start to think about wrapping up this episode. Mm. Was there, or what are the points are there that you wanted to make before we we start to go into close? Well, I think the only thing I would just add 
Gareth, would be that the self-inquiry is the key yeah. to this. So I, you know, I think, um, I know we pointed that quite a few times, but, you know, the more, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, I looked up actually what we put in this de design together to see how common is the word I. <laughs> um, and it's actually the 10th most common word that we use. Um, really after things like the b of and a and so on so those sorts of words which sort of don't count so the i, I as a pronoun is the the, uh, the the most common pronoun that we use and i think we've said you know we say i am i am depressed i am happy i am sad i am confident and we go to the what comes after i suppose what we're saying is the self-inquiry is well, what's the i am to really because that's more to do with the being that's more to do with our awareness and sometimes just doing that self-inquiry about well, when i say i what is i what is i what is i am and i suppose in a way what it what you start to realize is that the the con the idea of us as a separate self a separate independent self doesn't really hold up to scrutiny we're so interconnected that you can't separate yourself from the sun. You can't separate yourself from the planet. You can't separate yourself from the air. And so you then start to go, well, what, what is the I then? And, you know, that can lead you back to that sense of it. It's the awareness. It's the screen that we, we described on a previous. Yeah. So it's the, the I is my awareness <clears throat> and that sense of, the I am is that awareness and the fact that that's the part of us that never ever changes because I think it's the part of us that is is linked to that intelligence behind life or as Sid would talk probably universal mind there's some of us yeah, that we're somehow yeah. we're, we're, that we're part of universe we're an expression of universal mind but but that's easy, you know, for me to say, and you can talk. <laughs> but it's really useful to <clears throat> to do your own self inquiry about that. So certain yeah. situations ago, you know, if you're feeling I am anxious, it's like, what's the I am? Because if you're feeling, if you're saying I am anxious, you're not the anxiety, because or else you wouldn't be able to see it. So there must be something that can observe the fact that you're anxious. And it's sometimes just inquiring into what what is that? What is that knowing awareness? And can I can I connect more back more back to that? So I think that would be my encouragement for people is just to keep yeah. coming back to this in terms of your own experience and being willing to just keep exploring in that direction. Yep. I would I would echo that um i think we've we've said it in a range of different different ways but I, I think that that is just so so important so we we're we've come to the end of this episode and we've come to the end of series one of everyday being thank you for taking the time to be with us thank you for taking the time for you we hope that through these different episodes you are growing and building your understanding of being and seeing how it plays out in so many different ways day in day out for us and our, our hope is too that actually you're starting to see some 
implications benefits and some difference in in you just by having this understanding um if if that is the case we would love to hear about them um we're going to take a couple of weeks uh off now between this series and the next and start to think and plan about what that next series looks like um and what we will focus on our our intention is that we will bring more voices into this conversation we've got some ideas about what that looks like um but if you have got something that you think absolutely you should be sharing or some insight we would love to hear from you i know we've said this in many many episodes but please do get in touch and if you would love to join us in a conversation and give us some perspectives for you about what being looks like or maybe even what you've experienced through listening to to the podcast uh we would love to hear from you email address is hello at everydaybeing.co.uk and it's everyday.being on instagram so please get in in touch the, the, the last thing probably I'd, I'd just like to say is we would encourage you to share the understanding, um, not for any sort of drive of self-promotion from Steve and I, I hasten to add, but but just on the basis that we've always said that, that this is something that we wanted to have greater awareness and understanding of in the wider community because we genuinely think there are so many benefits and we, we've gone uh, at the start of it's about happiness it's about well-being it's about mental well-being and innate health those things can have such powerful impacts for people so either share the podcast and and see how what impact that can have for others or actually just share and talk to people about all right in whatever way works best for you to communicate what your understanding is actually we we found in the past that actually that can have a just such a powerful deepening of our own understanding by talking and and sharing and building understanding with with others um so i would just encourage that if, if there are things that are landing for you and are resonating tell others tell your friends tell your family tell your work colleagues tell your nearest and dearest and and just start a conversation with with them as as we've said time and time again that this is not prescriptive we're not saying do this and then this will happen so actually enjoy and revel in the freedom that there aren't any right answers here that there is a uh, a direction or an understanding that we're pointing at but steve and i as hopefully has come across are building our understanding all, all the time and by by having these episodes actually as steve's already said today we just deepen what what we know so we're finding tremendous benefit by just having this conversation so that just shows for me that by talking to others uh, it can have a real positive impact on on us so in in a great great way you can just get some benefits from that so please do share in whatever way suits you you best. Uh, we also have referenced throughout this conversation other people whose work we are admire and has influenced uh, uh, us as well. Maybe there's some things there that you would be interested in or, or share and recommend to others. Steve, any last thoughts or comments or anything you want to say before we finish today? No, I just, I think you alluded to it. Yeah, we found such benefit but just the two of us actually in designing it and the conversation we've had. So um, 
so thanks to you actually i think you, you've been the driving force for, for sort of doing this and um i really enjoyed the process of it actually and it, it so even if no one listens i know we've got people that listen to it but even if no one listens to it i feel i've really sort of benefited from it but hopefully through us trying to share our experience it, it is helpful to others as well um so yeah, no, thank you. I really enjoyed the, the experience so far. Look forward to series two. Absolutely. Right. So on that note, uh, thank you for taking the time. Um, we send you lots and lots of love uh, through whatever medium you're listening to this. Uh, we encourage you about the self-inquiry and we encourage you to share. Uh, take care of yourselves and we will see you in episode uh, on series two. Take care. Thanks, everyone.